Ladies and gentlemen, it's the big one. Welcome to episode 50. Thanks to all your listeners out there for helping us to make it this far. I'll be honest, when we first started, I wasn't sure how long we'd keep this going for. But now, I mean, I really don't have a reason to stop. I love doing this. And not least of all, because I get to do it with my friends, Ryan and Skylar. They're pretty cool, if not a little bit awkward at times. But anyway, before we get to uh, today's guest, why don't you reach out to us on social media and let us know which episodes have been your favourite so far. The handle is kickback underscore Nadem on Instagram and on Twitter. And I keep forgetting to remind you that I have a music playlist for the show and links to it can be found in the show notes. So go check it out. And now to today's guest. I imagine needs no introduction to any fan of the English Premier League, but for those that aren't, let me begin. He has four Premier League titles, two FA Cups, four League Cups, and all of those are his captain. He's recently retired, but bows out as one of the best players in English Premier League history. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy my conversation with a Man City legend that is Vincent Company. And the board is clear. Here he is. Here he is. Long time, man. Long time. How are you, man? Yeah, fine, fine. Busy. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I appreciate this. You know, I... I could argue that this is 48 minutes late, but it's also about four months late as well. So I won't make too much of a deal of it, yeah? Trust me, every minute spent working, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So are you ready? You ready to go? Yeah, yeah. All right, Soon cool. yeah. All right, so here we go then. Firstly, how are you? I'm good. New life, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, we're going to speak about that. We're going to speak about that. You don't look as tired as somebody would how I'd expect somebody to look after 531 club games, 89 national team games, you know, and lifted a few trophies as well. You, you still look all right. Credit to you, man. Yeah, well, you know, I've got a very young team, so they keep me young. Ah, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I, right. I haven't got a choice. Okay, so I'm going to start by asking you a very specific question related to the two of us, yeah. Do you remember when we first met? Yeah, Hamburg. Yeah, do you remember the game? Uh, yeah, friendly game. And uh... no, aha, see, you're wrong already. You're wrong. I know, I can tell you exactly when it was. I can tell you exactly when it was. What was it? It was, uh, you were playing for Hamburg against Bochum, I think it was February 17th, 2008. Yeah, I remember that. But... You won 3 0. Yeah. You won 3 0. Because I remember being quite impressed by the stadium. But the thing that blows my mind the most now looking back is you were wearing the number 10. <laughs> you were the number 10 for Hamburg. How does that happen? Yeah, it's. I think it's more. It says more about my personality than 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 anything else. It, it wasn't that that I found the ten um, something that suited me particularly at all. Yeah, I, I didn't see okay. myself like a ten. But the the thing that yeah. was most important to me is it annoyed me that all the number tens thought they were better than everyone else by wearing it. So I thought I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take it out of the market. I'm taking it. All right, okay. And you don't have to be okay. you don't have to be Pele to or Maradona to wear the number ten. It's funny you say that because in that game you did do a nice step over and hit the crossbar from thirty yards. I remember that. Yeah. I remember it clear as day. Yeah, I was saving I was cross. I was saving it for the Leicester game fifteen years later. Oh, this guy. We'll get to that. We'll get to that as well. We'll get to that as well. <laughs> so can we go back to the, the start of your career then? Yeah. So you start off at Andalex Academy. Is it a successful academy? How was that for you? Was it a big deal or not? Yeah, it's a very successful academy. It, it wasn't, um, it didn't have the aura and, and people didn't perceive it in the way they do now. 
but uh, we we were like um, we were brought up with the Ajax philosophy, Johan Cruyff, his way of thinking about football. You know, so everything about total football is what we saw in the academy. We had less resources and and everything else than Ajax, but we had the same four. And so, uh-huh. so I came out of the academy being just a, a very complete footballer for a defender, and and I was the very first okay. one from very first one in a long, long time to go through the academy system. And I think as soon as they realized they could make a lot of money from youngsters, uh, it became, <laughs> it became, yes, it became part of something, something bigger. And they started building up this wonderful academy, which produces incredible amounts of talent at the moment. And did you start when you were 17 in the first team or was it 16? No, 16, I was training, but I started when I was 17. And what were you like as a player back then? Um, very creative for a defender. I was like dribbling out from the back, tricks, everything. Oh. I was, I was more, okay. yeah, I was more concerned about step posing. But we had a dominant team for the Belgium League at the time, and we were playing Champions League, mm-hmm. and those were the only games where, okay, you know, you've got to stick to your job. But everything else was very creative, and uh, uh-huh. but but I was. I was a lot more athletic than people even can imagine, I think, for a 17, 18-year-old. But, but I, got ta- I got taken down by some pretty heavy injuries in the end. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we might talk about a few of those. We might talk about a few of those. So around that time, you were obviously a very big European prospect. I think on, do you remember the video game Football Manager? Yeah. Like, you were, you were one of the big stars in that. But you ended up staying there for, was it three years? Like, why, why didn't you move sooner? I just... Uh, I'll let you guess, but injury is probably, you know, again, the reason, you know, as it, as it was for most things in my career. So uh, I had a flying start, two, two years, 110 games. I was playing uh, everything for the international, for the national team. I was playing everything for, for, for my club. I was going Champions League. I was playing international games for like, you know, benefit game, uh, you know, charity games all over the world. I was really involved in everything. Then uh, my body broke down after two years. And uh, instead right. of going to the, the top clubs in Europe, which, which were there for me, and at the same time, it was my school. You know, my dad said, you know, my mother especially, she, she was like, but what if you break your leg? You've got to continue with your school. Yeah. So to, to finish my school, I had to stay in Belgium. And that, so that kept me that extra year. And then uh, an injury at the wrong time. And, and then all these big moves were gone. And I, I added another year, which was my third one. And, and I moved to Hamburg, which was a, a very good next step for me. Which uh, which teams were interested in you in those first two years? Do you remember? Well, uh, it was it was mainly it was some English clubs like Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal. Uh, I was uh-huh. I was I was a lot of interest from the Italian sides as well, into Milan, AC Milan, and I'm I'm just not doing it for name dropping, but at the time it was like massive for for me, obviously, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Listen, I, I don't think I would have gone to see. I don't think I would have gone to see it back in the, fifteen years ago. <laughs> Listen, as I say, we'll get to that. So, why did you pick Hamburg in the end? So, after my first year of of, of injury, I had I had two options left. Or so I had options left, but like from the sub top in Europe, and Hamburg was a powerful club. Um, they were mm-hmm. second in the league in Germany. They, they were one of the clubs that could make a push for winning the league, and they were in the Champions League. And I said, okay, you know what? I, I love mm-hmm. the state. Stadium. I love the city. Uh, I could. I, I had the choice to go to Lyon as well, mm-hmm. 
and and amongst other clubs, it, it felt for me like Hamburg. I wanted to. I, I felt it was. It looked powerful to me. It looked like a club that needed something to become a really big club. And, and then I went to Hamburg. And how was the adjustment then? Seen as though you were leaving Belgium for the first time. It was. It was fine actually. You know, it's. Uh, it was six hours driving from Brussels. Um, the culture. The culture was very different. It was much more. They were picking on a lot of details that wasn't, you know, I was a big talent. I was, you know, the money maker for the club. So I had privileges. Uh, when I arrived, when I arrived in Germany, despite being the, the most expensive transfer of, of the history of the club, um, I had more duties than privileges. And, and, and it was linked yeah. to, it was a very good start, in fact, but then straight away a massive injury when I, I torn my Achilles tendon. And and so I went from being in a new country. My mother was very ill at the time. My sister had, had a cancer too. And I was in a new country and I just tore my Achilles tendon. So it was on my own. Mm. So it was, yeah, pretty, pretty yeah. difficult time. And, and I, I didn't have any mercy from the public opinion. It was relentless, you know, biggest transfer in, yeah. in, in the history of the club. Needs to do this, needs to do that, failure this, failure that. And there's nothing I could do. I was just injured. Uh, and that was like, and the, the, the club had a very bad season in the end. Um, and a lot of changes happened. And it was a difficult, it was a difficult situation, you know, looking to prove yourself and you couldn't. Mm-hmm. But how did you cope then with that big injury, especially seeing as though now you're by yourself? Well, it wasn't, as I said, it wasn't just the injury. It was the injury being by myself, my mother being ill, uh, of which she died um, uh, 12 months later, and my sister being ill at the same time as my mom as well. Hmm. And and just those things was, um, you switch off a little bit. You know, you just create a new reality. I was, was a little bit out it's not in my nature to be out a lot, but I was, you know, uh-huh. because what are you going to do? But I was working hard as well. So I wasn't like compromising on anything. I was always like work hard and then switch off, needed mm-hmm. to switch off after, after my work hours. And, and that's why I, I made a choice as well to try and look to, to find ways to study. Yeah. Because you know, obviously I knew that it wasn't a good road to go on. I just knew it, but it was something where it just gives you that, you get away from it for a bit. Yeah. Um, but I had had incredible. I, I to be truthful as well. My my mother, my dad, my we're all from a family with a a big responsibility in terms of in terms of strength of character. Yeah. So I knew I couldn't. I, I had to. I had to to come out stronger. Yeah. And I had an incredible hunger in me. I remember that though. I, I remember Christmas time. I had to be still in Germany. So I couldn't come back because I still needed to do my rehab and stuff. And I was in a boot, so I couldn't drive. I, I couldn't do much. I was I was in a big boot. And I was on my own in 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 on my own in this foreign country, and and I was just grasping in the gym on my own. And and nobody would have known this. Nobody would have seen. I don't even think there was anyone from the club there. I was just opening the the, the gates of the club myself. Everybody was on holiday. There were pictures of of them in the um, Caribbeans and stuff. Yeah. And I remember I had, a, I had a boot on and I was just, I was pushing, yeah. pushing, pushing. I had a boot on and, and not much I could do. And, and you know, I was just roaming the, the, the corridors of the club going on my own. Yeah. yeah. But that hunger was there. It wasn't like I was just hungry. I, could, I couldn't wait. I was, it was, it was, I was going to fight back. Yeah, yeah, I can I can fully believe that, and I've seen it myself. So we played against you when I was at City in pre-season 2008. 
and you must have done something good because the next thing I'm seeing that we, you know, we're trying to buy it. So what were your initial feelings then when you found out that say City were interested? Is it, is it something that you were looking to do at some point or, or was it not to come to the Premier League? No, but you know, my missus Carla, she's, she's, um, I met her before, before I got the interest from, from City. Listen, uh, I know. She was... Listen, don't, f- listen, you need to give me credit right now on the air. Because I gave you Carla's number. That was Carla is yeah. my friend. Give me credit so everyone can hear it. Give me credit right <laughs> I now. Give you, I give you, but I was going to lead with that, and then you kind of <laughs> said, "Yeah, we're going to talk about it later." So I'm like, "Does he still want it or not?" So yeah, no, no, of I'll course, take it. Of I'll course. take it. I'll take it now and later. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, Appreciate yeah. it. And the the the, intru- the introduction was valuable. Yes. But, um, but you're welcome. But what I was going to say is. Yeah, thank you. But uh, I, what I was going to say is, um, so it was always this thing, like she was supporting the second team in the city and and, and, and I think you played and you just beat them, which yeah. gave a little bit of something to talk about. And, and, and I was, you know, at that time, I was never considering it as an option. But to be honest, from where I was at in my career, mm-hmm. it was it was a fantastic step to make. It was perfect because it was roughly on par with Hamburg. Roughly, yeah. yeah, and but I felt I, I felt my, my body was back, my legs were back, yeah. Um, and I had a very tough time coming back from the injuries. So, the year of the injuries, my very first season in Hamburg, the second season in Hamburg is just a year of struggling where I wasn't as fast anymore, I couldn't jump as high anymore, I wasn't as mobile. Uh-huh. And me realizing, and the manager said to me, I remember Hugh Stevens, he said, uh, you don't need to be the fastest or the best to be valuable for the team. He said, mm-hmm. just when you, when you, when you do us, when you challenge us, mm-hmm. he said that play simple. And, and that was like, you know, I was meant to be the superstar. I wasn't meant to play simple. I wasn't meant yeah. to be, I had to do everything the best. Yeah. But then from the position where I was in with one leg, one leg that I couldn't fully use, it was like, okay, if I can make a good career doing this, which mm-hmm. is for me, it was beneath me. Uh-huh. It's like, it's too easy for me. Yeah. But I decided doing it and I got very good at doing simple stuff well. And that actually gave me 10 years later, probably the ability to play in the best teams in one of the best teams in the world, yeah. because I, I had this phase in my career where I had to, and then, but the moment I go to city, I feel my body is back. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not as quick as I was, but I'm, I'm pushing off nicely and the pain is gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel I can, I can, I can, I can get on the end of balls that I wasn't getting on the end of, and all of a sudden I say it's a bad move from Hamburg to let me go now. I felt it. <laughs> no, I love that. I, I love that. I've, I've got to say as well before we just move on to this next bit. What you said there about Hoop Stevens saying, you know, just keep it simple or whatever. When we, when Patrick Vera was playing with us at City for a while, like Patrick Vera is an icon in my eyes, like one of yeah. the greats in world football. I remember somebody asking him about regrets from his career and stuff like this. And this is Patrick Vera. And he said, I wish I kept it more simple. And like, I thought to myself, how can I go on this field and do anything complex when Patrick Vera <laughs> just said, I wish that he, I wish that I kept it more simple. I was like, this mm. is, that's a, that's a big lesson. So you, anyway, uh, you had... I'm, a, I'm a coach now and I wish my players did it more simple. It's the best piece of advice ever. Yeah, for sure. So you moved to City. What were your first impressions then when you when you first get over there? Uh, potential, I did. Uh, but because I came, <laughs> they they did it well. So the first thing they showed me was the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and the stadium was n- quite new. The the pitch was immaculate. Yeah. 
So on that side, it, you know, I wasn't trading off anything really or not a lot. Yeah. And then I got to the training and I was extremely impressed with the quality of the and extremely uh, concerned with the quality of the infrastructure, the facilities. Yeah. So, you know, the gym, the, the, it was just work in progress. That's what yeah, literally yeah. The, it should have been, been a sign when you come on is work in progress. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And to be fair. But I saw, I saw do, do, do you know what, Needham? Go on. The first thing I saw uh, is the people that welcomed me. You know, mm -hmm. even as soon as I got into the club, it was a good vibe. I had the, you know, Carlo, the master. Who was there with Eddie, uh, the uh, the assistant coach from from Sparky? Yeah. They, they they took the session with me, yeah. and you know the players they were friendly, and you know I got on with everyone almost immediately, mm -hmm. and that was very different from where I was at Hamburg. Hamburg was a lot more stiff and 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 organized. City was a bit chaotic, yeah, but it had it had a soul, yeah, yeah for sure, and I love that, yeah, for sure. I, I was just happy, yeah, for sure. So, how long do you think it took for you to like feel at home, both in Manchester and at the club? Um, straight away, literally come through the door. And for me, you know, I, I'm someone I get attached, and I pay a lot of attention. I get attached with with the players that welcomes me well, yeah, uh, and and with people. If 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 somebody's showing me uh, love or respect or whatever, um, I have the tendency to want to go to war for that person if I have to. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and straight away, and what I loved about City is uh, nobody expected me to be the best. Yeah. Nobody, I mean, not, nobody wanted this for me. It was like, it was not required. Just, just, just help us. Yeah. And when I was yeah. at Ham, when I was at Hamburg, when I was at Han Anderlecht, when I was in the national team, everybody expected me to be the best, despite me being young. Everybody expected me to be perfect, not making any mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I got to City and I make a mistake and I'm looking around me and, Everybody's just getting on with it. I say, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's different. I found myself in one one part, Needham, that was like getting the strongest part out of me, really, that's been in my career, is um, the club was desperate for a leader, someone yeah. that helps on and off the pitch. Mm -hmm. and, and that was just perfect for me because I'm a little bit, you know, you know how I am. And it just, it was an yeah, extra challenge. I know challenge. exactly how you are, my friend. <laughs> I know exactly how you are. It, it just made yeah. it so much more appealing to me. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, so anyway, you ended up being like a big part of a very important generation for the club. Some might argue it's the most important generation for the club. But while all the changes across the years were happening, especially in terms of like new players coming in and stuff, did you ever worry that you'd be replaced? You play for City, you, yeah, it's, it's part of your daily life. Uh, yeah, which, is, which is crazy to hear you say looking back at your career at City, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it wasn't... Remember, I was never a big transfer. I was never a big a big dog, you know. I, I, and I was um, I was facing my own battles. I was facing injuries very early on. So um, I wasn't fighting with the same weapons, I felt, like everybody else. It was not like, you know, you play well, next game you're going to play again and you're going to progress. And, you know, it wasn't that. It was like, play well, well, well injury crash and you've got a fight and in yeah. the meantime they buy they buy someone for 30 40 50 60 yeah. 70 million gradually just went up the price tag on the defenders yeah, yeah, they were both yeah. buying <laughs> yeah for sure, um, for sure. but but i was like every single time i felt like when somebody stronger was coming in i was absorbing all the energy i got of that person and everything i could yeah. get from that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I believe it i haven't seen it firsthand like 
I, I totally get it. And what do you think um, were the most important changes that took place at the club to try and help bring success during your time there? Um, players. Players. Just the players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I, I, I think for the club to survive and be what it is, you needed more. You needed ownership yeah. coming in, understanding the culture of the club, understanding you know the identity that you had to maintain from what the mm-hmm. past was at the club and not throw it all away yeah. because you want to do something fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to have um, background staff, backroom staff, everything to be the best, like a no, no excuse culture, to create a no, no excuse culture. But really, that was just adding 1% here, 1% there. What City wasn't about adding 1%, it was about how you're going to add 20% to yeah. compete. Yeah. And the 20%, yeah. we, got, we got it out of players. As soon as we got better players, you could see. And then it was about the next level after getting better players was, uh, was, was, was having the culture, building the culture. Yeah. And and I think yeah. everybody that wasn't really ready for it, for that cultural step, because the first thing was the players. Everybody was ready for that because he came with a nice package financially. Yeah. But yeah. The, the cultural change, I don't think everybody was. And, and it just naturally over the years, gradually, people just got flushed out. One was quality, yeah. but the other one was if you were in the right profile or character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. I could definitely see that. But it ended up being like people like yourself stayed there for the duration because you had the talent, but you had the mentality as well. Mm. And that mentality is like literally every day, 100%, no excuses. We play to win, you know, that, and that is, it's relentless. It's absolutely relentless, but so credit to you anyway. And there was one change actually I needed to mention. So when you first joined the club, what was your number? Do you remember? <laughs> 33. Okay, 33, it's an interesting number. And then when you were lifting all the trophies, what was your number? Number four. Number four. I know, I know who I got it from. Uh, who'd you get it from? Chiefy. Who'd you get it from? Chiefy. Oh, you got it from, oh, you got it from me? Yeah, okay. I absolutely, I, I hated number three. And I hated number 33. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I went on loan to Sunderland, 2010, 2011. And the moment I got in my car, you took my number. Have some respect, seriously. No, I pulled you before you went in your car. I said, Chiefy. I'm gonna take your <laughs> no, number. No, don't, don't, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. I got in my car, and the next thing I was seeing that you were number four. I Shame t- on you. No, Shame I told you. you. I remember very well. I told you. I think it was in the <laughs> it was in the kit room as well with Annette and 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 uh, very well. But yeah, y- y- your number had a target on it from from the first day I got in. I was like, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I know. I couldn't. I, know. I, I couldn't deal with the ten anymore. So I couldn't do it again. Listen, listen I, I didn't after, like twenty-seven. Listen, I didn't after, like thirty-three. Let me let me be very clear and honest about this. From the moment you came, I knew my number was done anyway. But anyway, we move on. <laughs> 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 so you ended up winning four Premier League titles. No, I was I was I don't know why I didn't. I was looking for forty-four. Someone else said it. I can't remember nah, who. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm yeah. over it now, Vinny. I'm over it. Honestly, I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> so anyway, you ended up winning four Premier League titles in eleven years which is crazy considering the fact that, you know, two years before you came, we actually uh, only scored 10 goals at home for the whole season. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, insane. Like, uh, it was, 10 goals. It was part of the concerns I had. It was part of the concerns I had to box away and say, no, it's a good deal. I have to do it. It's a good, it's a good step. Yeah, things, things could only get better from that moment. But, you know, let's be honest. It's not common for players to stay somewhere so long, especially for the amount of time in which case you like have a testimonial. So what was it about you and City that you think worked so well? 
I think you mentioned relentless. I think that's the biggest thing I would name about myself more than, than talent, more than anything. I was relentless. Um, incredibly fearless as in I would always call what I see and say it and try and be diplomatic about it sometimes or explode about it other times. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah. I was, um, never, never satisfied and always looking to push everybody. And yeah. I, I think with my injuries, what I learned to do is to, to make the guy, for me, it was more important than anybody else to make the guys better around me because, if they were better, mm-hmm. even if I was out for four or five games, then I could come back and compete. But I was competing for something at least that's worth fighting for. And I know that it was it was a yeah. difficult balance, but I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to have to work harder. But even if I wasn't playing, I was injured, I was on the bench, I was in, in a stand, I, I would still do everything I can to make everybody around me better. And I'll deal with the competition and the consequences later. We'll see. It, it solves itself out. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Yeah. So what about your style of play do you think it was that worked so well in England? Say compared to, like, obviously you did well in Germany, but, you know, it's fair to say you were exceptional in England. So... Just uh, ag- aggressiveness. That's that's all they want to see, just aggressiveness. Yeah, uh, because I did a lot of nice things in my first game with City. But the, the thing I remember the most is that I got I never got a bigger cheer than for the tackle I made somewhere uh, around the beginning of the first half. <laughs> yeah. I just lunged into someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the sure. crowd celebrated. Yeah. They, they celebrated like it was a goal. Yeah, for real. But but I, I I can name so so many things who can be like details of, of my game, but the main thing I felt is um when I was at the top of my game physically, mm-hmm. um I, I I loved just running with with fast big strikers. I loved you know competing, having the challenges from playing against a, a you know big hundred and hundred kilo striker and and going against the fast strikers that try and run you. Yeah. That was what what I loved loved about the Premier League, just the physical challenge. And then the rest, the football and stuff with Pep, I got to enjoy the footballing side even more than anything else, really. Yeah. So you're not just considered one of the best centre-backs in the club's history, but also one of the best captains. So what do you think it is about you as a captain um, that led to you having such a big reputation? Like I said... Try... I've, I've got some ideas, but I've got some ideas, but I'll let you go first. Well, mine will be simple. is just always doing what I thought was to the benefit of the team more than my own. That's a pretty simple answer, so I'm going to expand on it, yeah? So for me, that what you said there is exactly true, but then you also led by example... I think you were also very inclusive and you always had the highest standards. Like the inclusivity is something which I took on from after I left the club because I would see you and to be fair, other people as well, but you specifically as captain, you'd speak to everybody in the, in the dressing room, but it wouldn't just be in English. One minute you speak in French, next minute it's English, next minute it's Spanish, next minute you're trying to speak German. But then everybody knows they can come to you because you're making an effort with them. You know, when the players are on board with you, and you are of a positive mind and want things to get better, then surely the, the whole situation gets better. And, as you know, that's all that stuff was incredible. But also, I'd always respected you anyway. And just for anyone who doesn't know, we are the same age. So if I sound like I'm a fanboy, it's also a bit weird because we are the same age. But I'd always respected you as a player. Yeah, you, don't let, you, you don't let me speak about you. The respect is absolutely mutual. Yeah, well, there we go. That's the sound on bite. Every, on every level. That's, that's the sound bite. But anyway, so I've always respected you as a player. Did, you want to know the exact moment when I knew you were like you were different, like different to what had come through the door before. 
It was in pre-season 2010, and we were in um, the USA. I think we are playing against Baltimore, or you were playing against Baltimore, because this is when Roberto Mancini decided he'd had enough of me. So I was basically just traveling around, carrying kit around for you for like three weeks. But it was a game <laughs> versus Inter Milan. And I'm not sure which striker it was, whether it was Pandev or Samuel Eto'o. It was Eto'o. Yeah. Eto'o. And one of them... It was lightning as well at the time. <laughs> but I remember you saying, or someone saying that he kept complaining when you were kicking him. And you said to him, every time you complain, I'll kick you again. And I'm like, ha, 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 he's obviously joking. I watched you kick that man for the whole time he was on the field. And, and this is after, was it Kolo and Yaya? Tried to say, say to you at halftime, can you try and relax on it? Yeah, they, were, they, they weren't happy. Yeah, like, that's when I knew he's different because this is an Inter Milan team that just won the Champions League. This is Samuel Eto'o, who is an iconic, like, West African striker. You have, like... African West African descent like there's a lineage here and this is pre-season you should be nice but you were lethal and I was watching on the sidelines thinking this guy is uh he's different he's different but do you remember do you remember do you remember who else was lethal in that game he didn't have the legs anymore who was it your icon Patrick Vieira oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so so C Coutinho young Coutinho yeah. into Milan kept running him yeah. <laughs> and Patrick wasn't there <laughs> and Patrick being the, the, the competitor he is he wasn't having any of it yeah. and he just booted him yeah. so we were down to 10 men against the, the strongest Inter Milan side they've had in a generation and, and with like lightning yeah. guys and the young kids on the block were continuing that team and then you know left with 10 men it was the only thing left doing I thought just save your pride but for me it was more of a uh, it was a I don't know it just uh, it, and in those moments, I, I honestly I, I wanted blood. That's that's how my I I I was gonna it was gonna have to be. And I think Mancini pulled me off the pitch. I, some I didn't finish the game. Yeah. He just pulled me off. Yeah. So it wasn't the spirit of a friendly game. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. For you, it's more than it's like it's pride. When you're out there, you're out there to win. Like yes, it's a friendly game, but it's still a game. And you are, you know, you're playing. You're on that field for a reason, not just to give a procession. And I like I was with it because as well. That was a big moment. But I also remember, I think it was for like two years straight, whenever there was a Manchester derby, every time I looked, I think Rooney must have been checking his shoulder because you were following him into the, following him into the, into his house, in his car. Every, wherever he went on the field, he turned around and you were there just clamping him. And I absolutely loved it. Because Rooney, like, I'm not criticising Rooney because he's the best striker Man United have ever had, the best striker England have ever had. But for those two years, like he he was so deep in your pocket, it was scary, and that's an icon. Yeah, <laughs> I I wouldn't say it was deep in my pocket. I just I just just for two years, it's fine. Take uh, it. Just take the compliment. No, I can't. I have too much respect for him. And and to be honest, if I if I look back at a few of the derbies, I can remember that overhead kick, and no, and I'm like, okay, no. he's had, he's had his moments as well. Oh, he certainly has. He certainly has. But I remember those. Came spells. off, he came like off he... his shin. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. No, nah, but he was. I he definitely was, thought it. He was awesome to play against because I, I loved it. I, I remember one day, one very moment. I know. So he turned into me, and he literally, with the 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 top of his head, full full force, jumped into my chin. I think he must have yeah. dislocated my jaw or something. But he knew he knew uh -huh. what he'd done, and he knew he was a because he's a yeah. boxer, right? So he knew it's a, it's like a, it's like yeah. it's a hurtful thing. So yeah, so he looked at me and he apologized. So I knew what kind of an apology is. Oh, you're right, Vinny. 
And I just looked and said, yeah, yeah, fine, of course. And I gave him like, I gave him a tap on his back. And I thought that moment I said, yeah, I've got you now because you wondering. <laughs> That's brilliant, you, man. I love these I was stories. like, you, you, like, you're wondering why I'm still standing. Yeah. You've got to get worried now. And I'm going to put this out there before people can start to criticize me. Like Wayne Rooney's an yeah. iconic striker, one of the best in the history. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, he's awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Honestly. But, but with one, one more thing, I'll, just to say, when you speak about derbies, for me, it's like it's any kind of game with a, with a little bit of an extra meaning. Yeah. You know, people say, okay, tune it down a little bit. It's a derby is not different than any other game or, or you go into a certain game. If, it was, if there was an extra meaning to the game, I was making sure everybody was fired up with it for it as much as I was. And that was important. Like if, if I knew someone had a, a niggle on his ankle, yeah. or <laughs> I, I'd make sure I know which one it is. For me, it was, it was, but, but I would, I would always, always make sure that uh, um, whatever it was that, that we'd have, it was a, a good competition. You know, I yeah. never, I never liked this. I, I never liked this, these brows or, or, you know, rolling around on the floor yeah. complaining about. For me, it was one of them where you, you go in it, you know what you're going in for, yeah, yeah, and you deal with it. Yeah, for sure. Who would you say the biggest uh, influences were in terms of your style of captaincy? Was there anyone who was like you were beforehand? It was a mix. I mean, obviously, being around Patrick Patrick Vieira at that time was was obviously fantastic in terms of learning of of, of someone's style. Yeah. And um, but I had good examples in my family with my dad and my mom who were all kind of leaders in their own way, mm-hmm. and I took I took most of them to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then my leadership because I'm always self self checking myself. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not the same leader I was ten years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I evolved a lot because I'm I'm always trying to find out how I can be better. Mm-hmm. So looking back, it was uh, it was obviously an incredible spell for City, but it's fair to say that it wasn't necessarily a perfect one. So people tend to talk about your injuries and so on. And I think I spoke to you a little bit when you'd been out for a little while, but what type of mentality did you need to have in those moments to get through that? Because it seemed like every time you came back, you had to go back on the treatment table. Like what really got you through that spell? Well, I wear, I wear my scars with, with pride, really. Um, it was the... It, it's associated to every single moment. It's it's the toughest time in your career mm-hmm. because you you naturally get criticised yeah. for it, public opinions against you, and um, at the same time you're not in a position where you can use any kind of skill yeah. to turn it around. If you have a bad game, even if you you cost your team a game, if the manager puts you the next game, every single minute of that game you've got a chance to prove everybody that you you are you are as, as good as you think you are, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you're injured, you can prove nothing. And, but what I enjoyed is the, 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 the perverse side of it, which I enjoyed was I would go in a bubble yeah. and go quiet, okay. really quiet. Yeah. Uh, to, to the outside, to the team, I was myself, yeah. but to the outside, go really quiet. And I say, everybody loves a comeback. Everybody loves a makeover. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait till you see the next version of me. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would never allow myself to diminish my interest in, like I was observing everything. I was advising defenders that were playing instead of me. Yeah. But by advising them, although they were, play, I was actually improving my thinking about because they challenged me, mm-hmm. and and I was just constantly, constantly like. I remember Pep's first year, the first four four months with Pep, 
uh, I was injured. So the worst way to introduce yourself to a manager, I uh, I torn my, um, I just blew out my uh, my hip flexor uh-huh. against Real Madrid. It was a Champions League semi-final. Yeah. So I knew uh, I lost I lost the final yeah. of the Champions League if we would have won. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, I lost the Euros. Yeah. Everything within 24 hours, I lost the, the, the Champions League final and the Euros potentially. I had all this in my head. Yeah. And Pep, and Pep Guardiola was coming through the door. Yeah. That was my starting position that summer. Mm, that's crazy. And um, and and I felt when 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 Pep came in, I felt that I, I was starting at the back of the line. Yeah. That I had to prove myself, which was fine. It was it was it was fair. He, he had his assessment, and I was injury prone, so I understand it. But I knew I was starting at the back of the line, and but that that moment as well is when. Those four months is when I knew I was going to be a coach. Okay. Because I, I, I had a manager who made so much sense, and I watched everything and every word he said. I was, I was, you know, I, I was there taking mental notes and everything, and I watched every training session despite being injured. Uh-huh. So I was watching the training session and training before or after myself. Yeah. I was uh, in every meeting despite not being involved in any game or any training session. And and I was just drinking the information. So when I actually got back, uh, I felt I understood more about what he... First year was difficult for everybody to understand it. And I felt I understood more despite not even trained on it once as soon as I got back. That's that's really interesting. So would you say that you started thinking more about the end of your career from when Pep came? Not because you were injured, but because of the way that he was being as a coach? No, I've been thinking of the end of my career since my, my first injury... Uh, uh, to my back and my shoulder. <laughs> right, okay. I've had to think, uh, and my Achilles tendon, honestly, I've yeah. been thinking to the end of my career 15 years before that. Yeah, that's nuts. Because uh, I had injuries. So I, I I tore my meniscus when I was 15 and I had to come back from that. 14, mm-hmm. I was, sorry. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I had a, um, a problem with my back when I was 19 where they said you know that's when i lost all the big clubs yeah. when they said you know it might it might never come back from it mm-hmm. um i had a achilles achilles tendon rupture where you lose speed you know mobility you know power just power because and who who gave me repeated calf injuries later in my career and so then i had to do so i was always that's why i studied because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i thought it's gonna, if, if it's gonna end up if it's gonna end tomorrow i'm gonna at least be prepared for something whatever it is yeah. but I understood coaching when when I met Pep. Yeah, that's it's such an it's such an interesting thing to hear from you because from the outside everybody just sees how successful you were or how successful you are and you were, and you never would have thought that on a day to day basis or injury to injury basis you're still planning for the end. Like for me personally, I started planning for the end when I was twenty five, twenty six, when I was at QPR because I was surrounded by people who were at the end. These were thirty two, thirty three, thirty four year olds. And you hear different conversations from them than you do with people who are your same age and younger. But the strength yeah, of knowing but the strength in knowing how to prepare for what's next. You know what I mean? Whereas for a lot of other people, like it's they just all of a sudden things just stop and they don't know what to do. And looking thinking about that, if that was to be the position that I'd be in when I stopped, I think I'd be terrified to be honest. But I know that when I whenever I stop, I'm um I know, I know what I'll be doing next. I know what we're doing next. But yeah, yeah, but you you are an exception to the industry, are you? Well, no, because you just said yourself as well. So we're both the same. So you left City yeah. anyway. <laughs> you left City, went back to Anderlecht, where it all began. And this was initially as a player coach, yeah? Be honest with me, because this is the big question that I really wanted to know. 
how were the players around you? Were they laughing at all your jokes, making all your coffee, cleaning mm-hmm. your boots, offering to like drive you to work? Were they being extra nice or what? How was it? No, but the, the player coach idea. So I came in and first I was I was I was thinking about you know player manager, and um, but that was tricky because mm-hmm. you you're playing with people that you're putting on the bench supposedly and so on and so on and and you know I know I, I didn't have any official. Yeah. Um, title in Vina by the way I was just a player but uh, but 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 very because yeah. my first thing was always the interest of the club and the interest of the players so actually in mm-hmm. fact I didn't I didn't really do the management side that much I was I was involved in, in everything to do with um, you know helping the players understand what the philosophy is and helping the, the squad shape towards yeah. the goal for the club to be in line with its identity Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing when when I was a player is I was a, I was so competitive, and and my biggest thing is I would I would want to mm-hmm. get out of them that they want to to confront me they want to challenge me, so the most natural way to do it is I was getting in people's okay. faces you know if if there was a one v one and remember I've got I had the second youngest team in Europe okay uh, last year okay so the biggest thing was for them to to understand that on the pitch there's no boundaries they have to compete they have to challenge me. And off the pitch, uh, I wasn't one of the players. Okay. Never. Right. So I had to make it clear. Okay. I respect that. So what do you think is going to be needed then for you to be a successful coach slash manager going forward? Well, the basics I started well in terms of, first of all, I'm incredibly prepared, uh, incredibly resilient, and, 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 and like you know, um, I don't really... The public opinion doesn't face me. I learned that about myself, which is a good yeah. strength, I think, to have as a coach. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And and um, I have more energy to burn than anybody I've seen around me, I think. So okay. I just have basic ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and I, be- I, b- I believe that my my the way I look at the game is incredibly, in my head, it's very, very clear. Mm-hmm. And that I'm able to transfer it to players in a simple, more condensed manner, which gives me a, a good basis to start. Doesn't mean yeah. I'm going to be successful. Being successful is about having the players as well, by the way. So <laughs> okay. it, it doesn't mean I'm going to be successful, but it means that if, if I was on the other side, I would back me. Yeah, okay. All right. That's what more do you need when you endorse yourself? Like, there's nothing more that needs to be said. So, okay. Can we just look back at your career a little bit now, yeah? What would you yeah. say um, your favorite career moment or moments have been to this day? Like, Ag- now that you've... Now that against, you've against you. Don't say <laughs> me. Aguero. Yeah, against you. Nah, and no, you no, tried no. your hardest to prevent, no, 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 no. To prevent no. us from, from no. celebrating. No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. Let's, let's your, get a few your things involve, out in again. Your involvement in that match was a disgrace. Yeah, listen, relax. Relax, okay? <laughs> okay. Let's, let, me, let me tell my side of the story to you directly, okay? So, obviously, I was there. I'd been at City for 15 years or whatever. I didn't really know my teammates or staff or fans at QPR or QPR, really, when I was coming back to my home in Manchester. So, it was a weird day for me anyway. To then step out on the field with essentially strangers playing against people I've been playing with four years now, again, was very weird. Knowing that I was in the other dressing room, allegedly like being part of it, well, for me, because I didn't really play, but a team that was trying to go for a league to now being on the other side, trying to like stay up 
was weird, especially at the expense of the team which I supported and my friends who I support. Like I put, I was there in preseason. I was putting the work in. You know what I mean? Like it was mind blowing. But then also, like the confession continues because Edin scored over me with the header for the second goal because I couldn't jump, and then for the third goal, I had a throw in on the right hand side. I ran to that throw in because I was trying to be respectful. But if it was any other stadium in the country, I might have walked. I literally might have walked. And as a consequence, there's maybe no time for that goal. Because I took the throw in and basically gave you the ball back. You ran forward and you scored. That's what happened. And it, to Brilliant. this day, I'm so relieved that everybody won on that day. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, brilliant. I'm glad but, I heard that story because it just it puts you back very, very high in my esteem where you should have been all this time. The the toughest moment for me was when, um, like, I think Gibral scored and then Jamie Mackey scored. And I was, like, doing a little mini celebration on the halfway line. And I knew, and I could just see Roberto just, like, five yards to my right-hand side. And he was so angry. And I was like, oh, don't celebrate too much. Don't celebrate too much. It's early. It's early. But, yeah, there you go, Roberto. I have that. <laughs> mm. But also for balance, for balance, I need to I need to provide balance here. So that was obviously a great day. It was the first of many trophies. Blah blah blah. City legend, yeah yeah, whatever. Two thousand and nine, I think it was. We were playing Arsenal away. You were playing defensive mid, I think maybe with Nigel De Jong, perhaps. But it was when you had a, I think you had a broken toe or something like that. <laughs> so yeah. this is one of the funniest things I've seen in a game. Was you cut a <laughs> hole on the inside of your boots? And your bunion was flying out of that boot. It yeah, was it's right, half you, the boot, half the half. side of the boot I, I cut out <laughs> and I put a, a medical patch on it. Yeah, yeah. And I and remember Robinho looking at me. Robinho yeah. was obviously at that time, I had no, I, like, I had no name, nothing, yeah. achieved nothing for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and Robinho is looking at me like, where have I landed? What, what kind yeah. of players are this? I, I look it like is. a third, third division player. It was so funny to just see someone's foot hanging out of their shoe at a game at the Emirates. And like, your foot was numb as well. It was just hilarious. But again, for more balance, that shows credit to you because 99% of players I know wouldn't have played with that level of discomfort. But you wanted it was to impossible. be out there. But you wanted and, to be uh, out there. Yeah, my performance matched the uh, the 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 third division uh, quote I just I just Listen, gave you. I didn't want to say, it, but now you said it. Yes, that is correct. Oh what my god! Say? So I was apolo- I was apologetic, but I was like, I, I looked at Sparky at the time, Mark Hughes, and I said, "Yeah." And he looked yeah. at me and said, "Well, yeah, go on." So yeah. I just carried on. Yeah. It, thankfully, that wasn't <laughs> that doesn't tarnish your legacy at all. So your favorite trophy then was probably going to be the first Premier League title. Is that right? No, FA Cup. FA Cup, the year before? Yeah, you were there. No, I wasn't there, no. Because this was ah. after I went to Sunderland and you took the number four. So anytime you see yeah. a picture of the number four on your back, just know that I wasn't there, yeah? Yeah, well, no. right decision for me. <laughs> so basically, all the success that City had and you had was because I gave you that number. So That's if anyone it. wants to thank me, you know what I mean? I, I appreciate it. Um, right, this is another big question, which you start, which you mentioned at the start. What was your favourite goal? It's got to be, ooh, yeah, I know there's two goals really that we're thinking of here. Yeah, you got some. You got a couple of big ones, yeah. Um, I, I'll go for the, for the Leicester goal. Okay, perfect. That's exactly what I want you to say because I need you now on air whilst we're recording to admit that you didn't want to shoot. Admit it. 
No, uh, of course. Admit it, because nobody. T- of course, I didn't. Because like there was a point where you could have shot two seconds earlier, and you got nervous, huh? The goal was just a bit too far away. No, this this you. But, but uh, Chiefy, let, let's let, remember at Hamburg, I was taking those shots, right? Remember. So yeah, the yeah. the reason why I stopped doing it is because when you have David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne in your team, it's absolutely yeah. stupid to do it. Just give them the ball and yeah. let them let, yeah. let them do what they do, you know? So mm-hmm. for many mm-hmm. years I was I found myself in a situation where I trusted the players in front of me that much that I was just like winning the ball, giving them the ball, or putting them in positions yeah. where they could do the last pass. And um, but at that moment, which is known now by most people, there's somebody shouting, "Vinny, don't shoot!" I think it was Kuhn. I think, I think, I remember, I, I remember Ilkay always having. I, I would take one one shot every, I don't know, twenty games. And the one time I did it, I had I had Ilkay in my ear. So I remember telling a lot of people that I played with over the years, saying, "There'll be that one time, and there'll be that what time uh-huh. that one time where I'll take that shot." And you'll th- you'll yeah. be very happy, and you'll thank me for it. But I don't know when, but there'll be that one time, and this was it. And I heard, "Don't shoot, yeah. don't shoot, don't shoot." And, and so when I take the step, is someone saying, "Don't shoot?" And then when I almost refuel to shoot, it's like me saying, "Hold on a minute, you you can't say this to me." And <laughs> whack, it comes off. I love that man. I really, really, really love that. And it was, you know, as a as a city fan, as a friend of yours, it, sh- it shows me as a player. Though, do you know what? It's just that rage I had inside of me. Why are they telling me not to oh, shoot? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. But then also, I think when you beat us when I was at QPR in 2012, I think you might have had a few shots then as well, which probably didn't go too mm. well because I don't see many of those in highlights. Mm. But let's <laughs> let's let's not mention that. So, is there? Um, so you were at City for like a good period of time then. And there were basically two cities. There was the city before the money and then the real big players came in. And then the city where they could spend 50, 60 million pounds on a defender. Yeah. So I'd like you now to tell me which your favorite players were from both eras, essentially. Before the money, I was I was impressed by this players that could have played in, in, in one of the cities later down the line. I was impressed by, by Petrov. Yo, you like to you know Martin uh, Petrov, okay. Yeah, yeah, Petrov. Obviously, Zabaleta arrived at the same time as I did, and he was he was in that spirit. Uh-huh. But if you if you take players from before that, I thought Steven Ireland was awesome. Yeah. I thought Glenn Johnson was was a player that you think, yeah, he, he definitely had the... We'll, we'll call him Michael Johnson. We'll call him Michael Johnson. I should have said Jono, innit? It's yeah, just, yeah, You get, you get away with that one. Yeah, Jono. Everyone knows Jono, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about later City then? Who were the best players when you were leaving? Yeah, but I didn't finish because Elano was quite impressive as well. Oh, yeah, I think Elano, I don't think he gets enough credit um, for what he deserves because I thought he was very good. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but there were spells in training where, say, Elano and Robinho were on the same team, like in yeah. a five-a-side or something. Like, it's it's done. I remember just weeks of it. It's like, it's, it's done. It's a but waste of time. Yeah, you had guys like Sturridge as well, remember? Yeah. So... That was like you could see, you could see that he was a good player, and he yeah. was going to get somewhere. So it, it was a good team, um, but but it wasn't, you know, it was a team of of mismatches. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. But there was some good players, and and Richard Dunn was always like someone that you look up to for, yeah, you know, sure. what he brought on the pick pitch, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then the la- the last team is just too many players to name. It's like every player is special in his way. Yeah. You you ask me about the Bruyne, I can I can I can give you this amount of things. Then I, I 
you speak about David Silva, you speak about Gundogan, you speak about Maris, Sterling, uh, Aguero, it's just everybody. And even the guys you play with, you know, it's John Stones, Kyle Walker, just yeah. everybody's special. There's not yeah. one player who's not special. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, so it shows yeah. the, clubs, the clubs come a very, very long way. And it's, it's with the full package, right? It's the talent and the mentality. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now that you've retired, what do you think you'll miss the most about being a player? Um, the 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 moments on I don't I don't really miss at the moment, but it's it's been you know it's happened not long ago, two weeks ago, but I don't really miss the the training aspect. Yeah, for me it was a lot. For me it was a lot of suffering training, <laughs> if okay. I'm honest. Yeah. Um, because of all these pains I was carrying, and then but I. I'll miss the the moments that you can achieve. You know, like when we beat United six one at Old Trafford, mm-hmm. you, you'd wait you'd wait ten years for that if you have to. It's just yeah. worth so much pain. Yeah, um, sure. The titles, the the moments that you can experience. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's one more question, player related here. If you had to pick a five aside team of players you played with that City, who would be in it? I'll just start with the first names that come in my head. I think that's the fairest. Um, that... Well, until you remember someone else that's significant. But yeah, go for it. David Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, Yaya Toure. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne. Aguero. And then who? And and you'd have a yeah. I put I don't put myself even in the team just for just to watch <laughs> them be nice. And then. Uh, and then as a keeper, uh, I'd have to go for Edison just because in a five-a-side, he's going to give you something he's special. Give you maybe, a couple, yeah. <laughs> maybe give you a couple goals, yeah. Yeah, I'll he'll score. That. Yeah, for sure. Right then, so considering what Man City was like when you first joined, how does it now feel when people mention you in the conversation about the best all-time centre-backs in the Premier League and at that, for a club which is now almost recognisable compared to what it was like when you first joined? I don't know. It's it, it doesn't. It's not compatible with the start of the journey, is it? Yeah. That yeah, that's sure. not something you would have associated with the end of your career for City. Uh-huh, for um, sure. And I didn't realize the magnitude of the club until I actually came abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know now I live in Belgium, but it's everywhere in the world. And you you see how people look at City, and it's almost like looking at Barcelona or yeah. looking at Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, still feels absolutely crazy, incredible that yeah. we've achieved this and I've been a part of this, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you, you didn't go too deep into the fact that, you know, you're now, now known as one of the best centre-backs in the in Premier League's <laughs> history. Because, you know, when, when you first came, you were playing you were playing defensive mid and you didn't want to go back there. Yeah. And then you went back but do there. You know, do, do you know what, Chiefy? My, my my achievement is nothing like that. My achievement is just to be standing on my own two feet until the end of my uh, my, my contract and my career at City. Yeah, and that was a big thing. Like I never competed with the same the same weapons. Uh, yeah. Like okay, I'm I'm one of the best, but I I look at John Terry's career, I look at uh, Rio Ferdinand's career and stuff. But I, I'm I don't want to be put in the same bracket. For me, I was just happy that with all the injuries I, I had. Yeah. At the end of it, I was there to lift trophies, yeah. and I was there to help my team. Yeah. And me, me, the best version of myself would have been a Vinny company, not injured, playing seven hundred fifty games, yeah. and and you know, and having a natural progression, having his body being completely fit and competing, running, running the fastest strikers in the league, like I was able to do when I was. That's not. I was just someone that was 
important in making other better. That's my biggest, yeah. my biggest achievement. Yeah, for sure. All right, just to close in, I just want to say, like, your legacy is incredible. And I feel proud to have played with you and been friends with you as well. And the fact that you're somebody so important to not just Man City, but to the city of Manchester itself, which is a place I still call home, you know, it's truly incredible. And I think the next part of your journey, if any, if it's anything like what came before, could definitely be something quite remarkable. So thank you. Good luck. Love to the thank family. You. Thank you, Chiefy. And uh, yeah, we'll um, we'll make sure that the City fans hear this story because it certainly is a special one. No, but the same. And and to be honest, Chiefy, to your side, I don't think you ever got the the credit you deserve at City at the time. You know, I thought. You were better than the coaches thought at the time. Yeah, and that uh, you missed. You missed. No, true. I, I, I truly believe. It. I thought that you you missed some somehow an opportunity to be a part of at least the beginning of that journey because because you 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 were better than what people thought. Listen, um, I, I would have loved to have been there, but looking back now, I just I don't. You know, it, it is what it is. I got the chance to play however many games for my hometown team, and I missed the point where it became really successful. But I've always felt within myself that I was always capable to be wherever I am and you're not going to yeah. find many players who will say that I'm a bad player and I think you know when it comes down to it I add value and I'm, I'm proud of that fact so yeah thank yeah. you very much for that man appreciate it Truly. appreciate it coach manager <sighs> I can't get used to the word coach <laughs> everybody calls me coach now chiefy that's <laughs> nah it's, it's yeah. all good man it's all good well thank you very much bro take care chiefy good to speak yeah. to you you too, man. And good luck with the show. Bye. Yeah, cheers, man. Bye. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 50 is in the books. I'll be honest, it took a really long time to organize, but it was well worth the wait, in my opinion. So thank you for listening. And remember, I couldn't do this without the dream team that is Ryan Hale and Skylar Warwick. And also not to forget Mountaineer Studios, Draper, Utah. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to stay tuned. And bye. Oh, no.